Welcome back to the History of Software podcast. My name is Podger Coffey, and this week we're joined by James Lapick, CTO at ZipWhip. How are you today, James? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So uh, very shortly, I'm going to share a little bit more about why exactly we've invited James to, uh, to attend this particular podcast. And I'm going to start out by talking about the topic of today, which is the history of text messaging. And SMS technology has really changed our world in some very material and unexpected ways. And I think if we look back over the history of changes in communication technology, they tend to have very significant societal impacts. So we can look back to things like the invention of paper in second century BC China. Uh, You then have the dissemination of literacy coming from that. If you look at the invention of the printing press in 1440, that really brought about the the Reformation and some massive social and cultural changes in Europe and then in the wider world. If we fast track to the 19th century, we can look at Samuel Morse and his first public demonstration of the uh, electrical telegraph. More recently, we can look to the early 80s, uh, 1983, the year of my birth. We see Motorola coming out with the Dynatac and shortly after that, Nokia coming out with the 1011. And then we get to SMS, Uh, So the very first SMS was sent in 1992, and it has changed the world in a very significant way. So at this point, James, uh, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little about yourself, uh, your career, and, uh, you know, we can then get a little bit deeper into this topic. Love to. Yeah, I never set out to have my entire adult career be centered around text messaging. But as you said, it's been a very interesting uh, evolution and like absolutely game changing for the way that people communicate. So I'm really proud to have been a part of it for so long. I'm um, I started started my career um, in IT and kind of worked myself into um, into a position where I helped uh, and got to build out a lot of the infrastructure for one of the U.S. mobile operators, Nextel, um, and helping figure out how to get text messaging to work on their platform. And that was really Really exciting to be there for kind of the birth of the technology becoming mainstream. Um, I also had the pleasure after that of um, shifting into interactive TV over text message. So I had uh, I had some really fun times uh, doing voting for American Idol over over uh, text message and some really uh, high stress things like that that uh, that I'm glad are in my past, but I'm happy they're there. And um, and then from there, you know, I've I've always been really intrigued with this idea of you know, connecting a business with a consumer over text and, and being able to take advantage of that really short form communication uh, to do everyday things, rescheduling appointments and, you know, simple things like uh, dropping your pet off at the vet. So um, that's when we started ZipWhip about 10 years ago. And the, the whole goal has really just been to connect businesses with consumers over this super ubiquitous medium. Awesome. Uh, James, we might start with the basics. Could you talk us through from a technological perspective, how does SMS technology work? Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, it was in the early 90s. Uh, an engineer on the on the cellular networks had almost discovered a little bit of a trick where the cell phone itself has um, has a voice channel and a data channel. And there's a, there's a small little data channel that tells the phone when it's time to ring. And somebody had, uh, had gotten smart enough to figure out that not only could they transmit things over that little channel, like tell the phone to ring, but they could also send short form messages um, in characters. 
And that's actually where the, the, the size limitation of 140 to 160 characters comes from is because that's the maximum amount that can kind of fit through that little pipe. And from there, um, you know, I think that the, the mobile operators saw that as just another thing to go sell to their consumers. But ultimately what they almost accidentally discovered was this incredibly powerful short form communication that because of the fact it's utilizing, or I don't wanna say exploiting, but leveraging parts of the voice ecosystem that was standardized, because of that, it's on every carrier in the world and the technology is very standardized. And if we consider maybe more modern iterations of texting, if we look at platforms such as WhatsApp, what would you say are the essential differences between the WhatsApps of the worlds and your, your standard form of SMS? Well, the great thing about SMS is that it's globally ubiquitous in pretty much any phone that, that has a phone number and has the ability to text. Um, for the most part, messaging plans, especially in, in, in my market in North America, uh, pretty much everything's unlimited. So people don't think about, think about charging, which was some of the initial development for things like WhatsApp. Over the years, you've seen you know, OTTs like uh, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger add more value add type services on top of messaging, read receipts, the ability to see when somebody's typing, exchanging large attachments. And those things are obviously an advantage, but ultimately the advantage we continue to see on SMS is there's no app to download. It's completely universally ubiquitous and it's, it's native on every device in the world. And that ultimately is why, even though it may not have all the new shiny features of, of things like WhatsApp, it's still globally dominant. Could you talk us through a little bit of the, the history of businesses using text messaging? Because I'm imagining in the early days, it was pretty much, you know, you texting your mom that you're going to be home late or, you know, talking to friends and family. When did businesses catch on and how have you seen that evolve over the past years? It's funny you mentioned it starting with family. I think that the, the specialness around uh, text messaging is that it did start as a very intimate um, a very intimate communication that was family and friends. And then over time, society is kind of, that's, that's expanded into coworkers, it's expanded into um, vendors and businesses. And I think when we first started, when I first got involved in business text messaging, it was very marketing driven. So there was a lot in terms of just trying to, you know, distribute coupons and marketing materials. And then people had realized in the last 10 years um, that, it's powerful for everything in business, even things as simple as just trying to arrange a phone call are a lot easier when you're trying to do that over text. It's discreet, it's fast. And so that's where we're seeing a lot of adoption. Frankly, it still feels like in terms of, you know, it permeating the business world, we're still at the beginning. Um, we have an incredible amount of really inventive customers that have come up with all sorts of great ways to communicate with their customers. And every day I hear a new use case that just blows my mind of ways that people have really just kind of expanded on this digital connection with their customer. What would you say might be the, the barriers to businesses utilizing uh, SMS technology for interacting with customers? Well, we ultimately set out when we started ZipWhip to try to eliminate a lot of those barriers. Um, you know, the, the reality is, you know, if you want to send email to your customers, there's a lot of applications out there to do that. There's off-the-shelf things like Outlook and Gmail that you can use. There isn't really something like that for a, for a business to go do to engage their customers over text. So 
we've we've built a robust set of tools over years to try to make it as easy and non-complicated for the business as it is for the consumer who doesn't have to download an app. So we're trying to make it, try to make the, the outlook for texting, so to speak, um, in order for a business to be able to use that. And then we also expand a bunch of tools so everybody can, you know, if they want to go build their own adventure in terms of a really tight engagement with their customers, they can do that too with our API sets. But ultimately, I think the biggest barrier has just been awareness that you can you can now do this. And once people once people start messaging with their customers, it's almost impossible to take it away because customers then start to expect and demand that level of service. Do you ever encounter among your customers' customers a, a reticence about being contacted uh, through SMS? Uh, is there any pushback or do people ever feel that it's some form of invasion of their privacy that they're being contacted by SMS or do you find more of a kind of a, a positive uh, interaction in that regard? So our, our platform and our solutioning is not marketing first. I mean, we definitely are in the customer service and engagement side of stuff. So we definitely see a very positive sentiment coming from customers' customers because they're able to go and interact in new ways. We also provide uh, a lot of tooling to our customers of how to manage their their customer lists in a way where they're only contacting people that had asked to be contacted. So, you know, we definitely also do a lot of uh, education of our customers too of, hey, if, you know, the same way that it would irritate you if you were getting, you know, too much or off topic um, type messages, that's how your customers will feel and it'll negatively impact you. So um, people, people understand because they understand how they like to receive messaging. A lot of times businesses are, are capable of, you know, making sure that that's catered the right way. But as I said, we don't do a lot on the marketing end. So, you know, I'm sure there's a segment out there that might be a bit different from my viewpoint. Uh, James, you mentioned to me previously that you and the team at ZipWhip carry out some research in terms of the utilization of texting, attitudes towards texting. Are there some findings from that research that you could share with us? Yeah, we we hear a lot um, of of different feelings from people about who's adopting text and and what kind of businesses are most successful. And ultimately, what we see in our customer base is that it cuts across vertical. It cuts across industry. And pretty much anybody that's communicating with their customers can get an advantage. And so we started doing a yearly uh, state of texting report just to kind of track how things have been evolving in terms of business to consumer engagement. And so there's some interesting stuff that pops out and there's some very consistent stats that pop out year after year. We get asked a lot about, you know, generational uh, adoption of text messaging. And frankly, we're always surprised that 64 plus percent of baby boomers are fully adopted and, you know, check their phones one to three times an hour for new text and wish more businesses would text with them. So it's not just a uh, Gen X millennial type of adoption. We're seeing it across the board generationally, which I think is why you also get this, you know, the ubiquity advantages. Um, we, we find some really interesting stats about people that just don't want to talk on the phone. Obviously, nobody answers the phone anymore. If you're a business, you know that you're leaving messages for people and playing phone tag. But we actually found that 96% of consumers find phone calls to be disruptive. Um, the one that I find most interesting is that you have an entire generation of people that don't have a lot of the skills of 
talking on the phone their entire life because we've been because we found them so disruptive. So we found that 75% plus of consumers experience anxiety when they're talking on the phone. Um, I know I know from experience, my kids, they, they would never take a phone call again in their life if it were up to them. Um, so there's some really interesting things around there. COVID obviously has changed the way that businesses are forced to communicate with their customers. We've seen incredible adoption of use cases all the way from, you know, I'm sure everybody now has had to deal with telehealth in some way or another. Um, that use case has completely gone through the roof. But even uh, the restaurant industry and and retail has had to go figure out how they can have these rich interactions with people without being face-to-face. And so we're seeing, um, you know, 50 plus percent of consumers are on their phone more since COVID started. And those are those are interesting. I mean, we've seen a lot of really great use cases adopted and it it does feel like the digital engagement plans of a lot of businesses have been pulled forward many years by COVID. And so we, we're seeing just incredible rise and we don't think it's going to go away. People are going to continue to demand that level of service, even after we're, I don't want to say back to normal, but, you know, less, less the way we are. Yeah, there's a few points I'd like to pick up uh, on, James, in terms of what you said. So uh, as for the kind of fear of taking phone calls, I find anyone I know under the age of 30 uh, almost grimaces if their phone rings. There's kind of a sense of like, why would we do this through a phone conversation when we can SMS or we can use WhatsApp or another OTT, whatever it might be? So that's very interesting. You've alluded to new use cases coming down the track. Are there some you know, things in the future of how businesses utilize SMS and that we might see coming onto the market in the next year or two? I, like I said, every, every day I get surprised by new use cases. So absolutely. Do I know what they are all yet? No. <laughs> but what we're seeing, um, you know, one that I, I found really interesting, uh, especially as COVID had started, is this idea of the digital waiting room, you know, as you're waiting for an appointment or for a curbside pickup and managing all of that over text is, I think, an area that's going to continue to explode. I mean, the the curbside pickup, grocery pickup side of the world is like gone through the roof. And I think businesses have found that just using text messaging is they don't have to have their customers download an app. They don't have to worry about it. And they can just get that immediacy without all the fuss. Um, and that that I think people are going to continue to make new use cases um, that, that get this quick engagement. But it also has the advantages of, uh, you know, as you had mentioned, Customers can use it as their own pace, you know, instead of being forced or belabored to a phone call or maybe answering something you don't know who it is. Businesses have a way to, you know, introduce themselves over text and and start that way in a way that's more engaging and friendly. James, what do you think are the main security challenges for businesses looking to leverage SMS or for consumers who are, you know, on the other end of that interaction? Um, I guess you've seen a lot of the, the questions and maybe even the answers to arise over the years that you've been at Zip with. Yeah, it's as as everybody is aware, you know, a technology that started in the early 90s is uh, is probably not up to uh, up to snuff in terms of the latest security protocols. That said, um, there's a couple angles on that. One is we know what it's really powerful for and you got to It's the right tool for the right job. And I think if uh, what we encourage our customers with is make sure you're using it to get connected with your customer. It's maybe not necessarily the right medium to go exchange um, 
private health information and things like that. But if you're scheduling an appointment to come in, and so really getting people educated on the right way to use it is is probably the biggest um, learnings that we do for folks. The same way that you know you wouldn't just copy paste a four page email and plunk it into a text. Like there's the right tool for the right job, and that that part of it really takes away a lot of the security concerns. Um, there are advancements going on in terms of um, the SMS medium. As you can imagine, it's hard to upgrade something that's globally ubiquitous on every network. Um, it takes a long time. So we have been working on uh, with mobile operators throughout the world to upgrade that infrastructure to not only be more secure, but also to add features uh, more in line with the ones you mentioned before that exist on OTTs like WhatsApp. So I can see people typing and I can get confirmation that they've read the message. So those are some really cool things that are happening. Ultimately, what we're really concerned about at ZipWhip is making sure that we maintain the trust in the medium. So what we don't want is we don't want um, this high priority text channel to turn into email where your inbox is flooded with junk every day. We wanna make sure that we're managing and stamping out all the fraud and spam that comes in or tries to come in uh, before it goes to consumers. And so we protect them so they're only getting things that they want. And that ultimately is why it will remain powerful is as long as we can keep all of that unwanted traffic out. James, uh, recently there was uh, an election in the US, as I'm sure you, you well know. And um, one of the things I found very interesting was when I was looking at the data around polling, it seems that it's become increasingly difficult for pollsters to engage with voters. So I, I believe the uh, success rate of placing a call as a pollster has declined from 10% to less than 1% over the last four election cycles. Has SMS ever been leveraged for the purpose of political polling? And if so, has it been successful? Has it been quite limited? Has there been any experimentation done in this area? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, there's, I, I remember, it's funny, I remember... Um, being there and we actually had the pleasure many years ago to run um, President Obama's text campaign when he announced Joe Biden as his um, as his VP candidate. He did it over text message. And so I had the, the honor of being able to be there for kind of that first political text message that went out in the US. We got to run that on our network. Um, and I think since then there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of interesting adoptions that people have done in terms of trying to engage with voters over text. Um, specifically, lo uh, you know, local elections, I think, have really benefited from the ability for people to get information on local candidates over text. We actually saw a lot of that traffic this season. Um, and every two years, you know, we, we do elections every two years, and um, we're seeing that kind of traffic grow every time. And it ranges from get out the vote campaigns to um, voter education around candidates and their policies, as well as uh, donations is is quite large too. So we're we're expecting it to not go away. We're seeing that it's very much adopted by the by the political parties in a way for them to engage their candidates. Because as you said, you know, when less than one percent of people answer the phone, you're not gonna not gonna be able to connect with your voter base. Uh, James, the, the final question I have for you is from a user perspective, so at the consumer level, do you see the way in which people utilize SMS changing in the years ahead? I, I think that the same way, uh, we touched on it before, the same way we evolved um, from having 
having text messaging be limited to friends and family and expanding out into kind of coworkers and that mentality that has gone along this unwritten code of messaging, so to speak. Um, now that businesses and and not not just from a marketing perspective, because that's been there a long time, but the ability to actually connect and do something with a business. So whether it's reschedule an appointment or check if something's in stock or any of these kind of interactions that you'd normally have to dread picking up the phone for. Once those start to move over and people become accustomed, the same way that somebody expects uh, the other person on the end of the phone to text them back, they're going to expect a business to be in that same um, that same realm. And they're going to it's not going to be a nice to have, it's going to be a need to have. And so we see that as the next evolution of just complete adoption of the medium. So I don't feel the same sense if I get an unsolicited email. I don't have that same sense of compelled response. Uh, are we psychologically disposed towards uh, responding to SMSs in a way that we aren't with other communication platforms? It's very interesting. It's almost, um, so we have, uh, we have, we have a quote uh, in one of our conference rooms on the wall from Marshall McLuhan that says the medium is the message. And we always think about that because it is funny how just this, this little short form thing developed its entire psychology around it. So it's, it's very uh, interesting to build technology around, as you can imagine, because there's all these unwritten rules around immediate response is okay. Responding soon is also okay. Exchange, just pushing information out as a follow-up over text is okay. Like, and the person, the receiving end, generally is aware of what that kind of social contract is. So it's a very interesting to build technology for, as you can imagine, um, because you're trying to make sure that we're, we're really holding true to what makes it special and what makes it unique. And we, you know, we intentionally limit how many characters somebody can send, even though we've been able to increase those barriers over the years, we've definitely like made decisions internally at ZipWhip not to expand it too much so that we're not piercing that kind of uh, social contract that happens with messaging. Um, I promised a couple of questions ago that it was my last question and I was clearly lying <laughs> because I've, I've got another one. So if we think about the, um, the unwritten rules of texting, you know, there's that kind of sense of compelled response. What are the don't do's in texting? Like what's socially unacceptable at both, you know, both in terms of what an individual sends to another individual and what a business would send to a consumer? I, I think that there's um, brevity, I think is the, is the top one that we run into a lot. We don't want people sending novels over messaging. Uh, we try to keep it where it fits on on one viewable screen in terms of bite size um, information uh, and also using it what it's good for people. Um, we, we spend a lot of time um, working with enterprises that have actually had messaging adopted for years and they're almost to the point over messaging their customers. And we go in and we actually walk through what the customer journey is and say, look, if your car's in for repair, they don't need a text message like, when the guy takes off the wheel and when he tightens the bolt, like he, he just needs to know when it's there, when it's ready, when to come by and really streamlining that stuff and making sure that you were not over communicating is, is super important. And that's where we, we spend a lot of time in our, our user tools and education. Uh, James, it's been an absolute pleasure to record this with you. So I want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. Great. So production as always by Nick Brennan with music by Rob Cooney. 
and we hope to catch you again next time on the History of Software. Thank <laughs> you.